Reconciling God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Talking about church government. How is a church set up? Do we have pastors, assistant pastors, uh, assistant to that pastor? Then we have music ministers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's the biblical way for the church to operate and function in the New Testament? Very simple. We take a look at Corinthians, the church there at Corinth. Paul stated there in chapter 12 and verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And he gives us the order. And God has set some in the church. First, apostles, not bishops, not in the progressive uh, uh, going from apostles to bishops to sever uh, in succession, but first apostles. It's stated there. Doesn't change. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. This would include evangelists, pastors, and teachers. After that, miracles. So there is a special granting of miracles for the proclamation of the gospel, along with gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Each and every individual member then, Paul states, has a ministry or ministration according to the calling of God, which he fitly frames together to bring forth Jesus to the nations. Then he goes on and says, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now these are body in the uh, church gifts not individually building up for yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, saying that tongues have ceased. But these are gifts there in the church, how the body of Christ functions. Then he goes, but covered earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And he goes on about charity. Now, why is that the more excellent way? Because most people, especially ministers, look for titles. They want to be superintendent or over a certain area, a bishop. And these uh, are titles given that they would be the head over the body of Christ. But it's exactly the opposite. Jesus stated, who is greatest among you, let him be servant of all. And that is, if you're called as an apostle, which is first in the church, you will be a servant of all. You will go through more sufferings because that goes along with the call or the anointing. Each individual office there in that function of that office has its own anointing that defines the office. For example, most today are familiar with pastors and evangelists. 
there and we see, well, they hear a preacher preach and say he really should be an evangelist and not a pastor. Why do they say that? Because they feel the anointing, they're more of an evangelistic nature than pastoral and shepherding. We can discern those two offices. But what we can't is that of apostles or prophets. They think somebody prophesies as a prophet. May have a gift of prophecy, but that does not make one a prophet. So therefore, when we have the fellowship that we have over in Africa, for example, the Jesus Christ International Church, we have many ministers that have asked to be the coordinator and superintendent of the church. They're in their local areas, be it uh, Nairobi, Ghana, wherever the case may be. Well, there's no superintendents. We find in the book of Acts, when there was a dispute over the Gentiles being circumcised or not to be saved. This question come out of Antioch. And it was a great disturbance in the church whether that was the case in truth that the Gentiles had to be circumcised under the law. And at the church at Jerusalem, this is brought, is brought forward before the church. Now we see that in Acts the 15th chapter. Now many will suppose that because James is the pastor and it is at Jerusalem, that this is the headquarters for all other churches. But that's simply not the case. We're going to see that Paul talking to his young son, Apostle Timothy, as well as Titus, that they were to ordain elders in each of the local church bodies. These elders would then have the governing over that local church body, not a central church or a denominational headquarters that ruled over them. There is an anointing of an apostle that in the area, the churches that they were over, is not in a title. It was in the anointing. God dealing with the apostle or the prophet, etc., for that area, just as Paul talked to the church at Corinth, said, I'm absent with you in body, but present with you in spirit, and gave his judgment. That was because he said first in the church apostles, secondarily prophets. But the local church body rules and governs its own affairs. The Holy Ghost there is the overseer of it all. There, Paul received from the Holy Ghost the leading that he was to judge, being absent in body but present in spirit, to take such as one that had done this, that went up to his father's couch, to to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that he might be saved in the day of the Lord. Well, Paul wasn't the pastor there, but that that is the anointing that goes with that office. He didn't call himself the bishop over the church. There we have apostles, secondarily prophets. These are the two offices that spearhead the movement of God in present truth. We see that in Ephesians 3. As this mystery of Christ that is now revealed 
Paul stated, and to his holy apostles and prophets. And God is bringing us into a deeper level of the word of God. He gives us the pecking order there. He gives us the order that he deals with. First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Now, those are the two offices. Thirdly, teachers. Now, of course, the whole body of Christ will give an amen to it. They will believe the word of God. Now, let's take a look at the church of Jerusalem. This comes up about whether the Gentiles should be and must be circumcised in order to be saved. False brethren came to Antioch, bringing this doctrine out of and came out of the Jerusalem church. Now, when they bring this there, the apostles and the elders came together to consider of this matter. Now, we find in Matthew 16 that Peter was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven on the revelation of Christ, the Son of the living God. He changed his name from Simon Barjona to Peter. And that rock, which is the revelation of Christ, was given to Peter. It's that revelation there that is the rock of the church, not Peter but the rock, which is that revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then he says to Peter, Thou art Peter, not calling him Simon Barjona, his worldly name anymore, because of the revelation given to him. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And there he's given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Obviously, Peter will be the spokesperson on the day of Pentecost since he has the keys to the kingdom. Well, we find the same thing here. The apostles gather together. Obviously, the, obviously the first office there is the, the apostles. And the apostles gather. And it says in Acts 15, verse 6, and the apostles and elders, the elders of that church, are the ones that were appointed over the church of Jerusalem because that's where the problem came from, not because it was the uh, denominational headquarters, but simply because that's where the doctrine came from these brethren that came to Antioch telling them that the Gentiles must be circumcised in order to be saved. So here we have the apostles and the elders of that church coming together for to consider this matter. Is it so or not? Now, let's take a look at it. And when they had much disputing, they disputed over the matter. For there was a law that stated that you must be circumcised under the law of Moses on the eighth day. Then we have circumcision availeth nothing, but faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are disputing over this matter. Peter then, one of the apostles, of course, had the keys of the kingdom. Peter rose up first and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth, he's talking to Cornelius, Cornelius's household, the Italian band in Acts the 10th chapter, should hear the word of the gospel and believe, going to that of the Gentiles. Now we know that Paul will be an apostle to the Gentiles. He had that on Damascus Road, 
in Acts the ninth chapter, we have that recorded. He was also an apostle. Peter goes on and says, And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness given them the Holy Ghost, even as he had did unto us. Talking about the Gentiles being saved there in Acts the 10th chapter. Or as Peter preached to the house of Cornelius, their Italian band, the Holy Ghost fell on them as he preached Jesus Christ. Then he said, Can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized? Who have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, he is recounting that experience. Notice that is the apostle Peter first. James is the pastor of the church. The apostles and the elders are gathered. And Peter goes on and says, And put no difference between us, that is the natural Jew, and them, the Gentile, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of these disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Now, there's one witness of Peter. Now, he goes on, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Now, Peter has done his voice there. Then we have, then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, two more apostles, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Now, there's a second witness there with Barnabas and Paul. Then we have in verse 15, and after they had held their peace, James answered, that's the pastor, saying, men and brethren, hearken unto me. He's given his counsel on this also. Let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. That's exactly what they're doing. Simon or Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. <clears throat> and to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this, I will return and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up. Now, the tabernacle of David, obviously, there in Psalm 132.11, that that is the seed of David, the generation and genealogy of Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham or the seed of David. Speaking of Christ, after the flesh came of the seed of David. <clears throat> Christ in you, the hope of glory. That the residue of men, James, keep on speaking, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, the name Jesus, as many as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named Jesus. He said, Who doeth all these things? None under God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is, he gives his verdict, his counsel, that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them, 
that they abstain from pollutions of idols, from fornication, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses of old time hath and every day them that preach him, being read in synagogues every Sabbath day. Then pleased it, watch it now. They all agreed. Then pleased it the apostles and elders. There was a unification in the unity of the faith to pronounce this judgment. Notice it was not just them. The apostles and the elders and with the whole church. There's a unity of the faith. To send chosen men of their own company to Antioch. That's where the problem was. But it had originated this doctrine from Jerusalem. That's the reason it came back there. Not because it was denominational headquarters. Chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. Now they go and confirm this to the church at Antioch. Now the point be that there's no superintendent there. There's no international denominal headquarters. It's simply that's where the problem arisen, had arose from. It had arisen from the church at Jerusalem. And obviously that's where they went back to find out what is the solution. And after much disputing, first the apostles gave their counsel. But then the elders, James being the pastor, then all the other elders agreed along with the whole church. That's a unity of the faith. Now, there's a sound doctrine established among the brethren. Whatsoever they bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, loose upon shall be loosed in heaven, and the Holy Ghost leading them, not of their own will, not that they can just proclaim anything they want, and it happens. No, they're led of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is leading in all things, Jesus in them. So that's the reason why then they gave their counsel and then sent the prophets along with uh, Barnabas, and, uh, and Barnabas and Paul to Antioch to confirm that word. Now, we find also in Timothy, as well as Titus, what do we do here? That we are to ordain elders in each church. The elders are those that have the governing of that church of that local body and not headquarters where they have to answer the headquarters and every move they make. So what has happened over the years is that we have a denominational headquarters that pretty well rules in the affairs of men in each of the local church bodies. And that then becomes a denominational where the elders have a tradition and they rule and guide over the local church bodies through this tradition that is given down as the oracles of faith and the, anyone that gets out of line, then they pull them in and judgment, judgment is rendered according to their doctrinal statements. Well, the tradition of the elders have made word of God in none effect. God does not go through and rule through denominations. He rules through apostles, prophets, 
those then, then the teachers and then the various uh, ministries or ministrations of the Spirit that he has ordained for the different anointing in each of these ministrations. That it has pleased God. When man gets into it and makes man-made doctrines and doctrines and organizational standards, then we pull away from the leading of the Holy Ghost. Well, somebody said, well, you have to be accountable to men. Well, you're accountable to God. You submit yourselves one to another. That's true. But the leading of the Holy Ghost is the Christ in you that we must obey. And anyone does not obey the leading of the Holy Ghost is called iniquity, lawlessness. That's to be carnal minded. So that thwarts or stops or certainly hinders the work of the ministry going forth because when God does a progressive revelation in truth, going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, then it is hindered by the denomination that does not want change. They have stated this is the doctrine of salvation. There's nothing more that can be added to it. But when faith grows from faith to faith and glory goes from glory to glory to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ and it's progressive in a proceeding word, then the light there is dimmed, the word becomes diluted, and because it's diluted, then it does not have power. And thus, then we have a doctrine of men, man-made doctrines. So God in the last days will shake not only the earth, but also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be removed. God's going to remove all the man-made doctrines. That all things that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made. These are faith is the substance of things hoped for, and things that are man-made will be removed. These are things that were considered to be faith, but were not. And God's going to remove it as of things that are made. But God, in his eternal sovereignty, leads and guides in all truth, not man. Now, we're fellow laborers together with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's true. But he's the one that leads and guides us, not us. In our denominal thinking and our ideology and our apologetics. It is only through the Lord Jesus Christ that we have the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, which he will get us there and fitly frame it together and then compact it according to the measure of each part, the measure of faith given to each one of us. So we don't have superintendents in the local denominal church. There's no denomination there. When Paul states there be sex and heresies among you, the heresies there are denominations, various different divisions in the body of Christ. And he said, I believe that this is the truth. There be heresies among you. So those that are approved among you, not approved of God, but approved among you, may be made manifest. They're the ones that's leading the so-called flock and literally standing at the door and will not let others go to a higher level of glory because this is stated in their doctrinal statement 
and you must abide by that decree, by their law, by their denominational standing. And this hinders the proceeding word of God going on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ to a perfect man. So God never uses a denomination to proclaim his word in the present proceeding word of God. He finds a man that will hear the word of God. And with that man, be it a John or a Peter or a Paul, and then deals with that individual, then they will go to the cross. They will crucify their flesh with the affections and the lust. They will mortify the deeds of the flesh. And then make their calling election sure. And only then, after God finds you faithful, then he will put you in the ministry for his namesake. There's no instant potatoes here. There's no instant ministry here. There is a time of preparation in the wilderness where God tries the heart to see if that individual truly will serve the Lord God with all of his heart, soul, and might. Then if he's found faithful and he is found to be a calling and election sure for God, that his heart is set and has obtained that calling in God to make that calling and election sure, then God uh, then puts him into the ministry after he has reached that approval of God, not approval of man. The denominations set up those that are approved among you, Paul said, that they may be manifest, they can be seen, but they're not approved of God. And the only way to be proved of God is the leading of the Holy Ghost, crucifying the flesh with the, with the affections and the lust, mortifying the deeds of the flesh. That's where you prove the perfect calling of God in your life. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service and not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now there's a fellowship. There's nothing wrong with a fellowship. A fellowship is each local church governs through the appointed, uh, the appointed elders, that those that are continually giving themselves to the word of God are worth double honor. That is, to be taken care of financially. But they govern. The local church body governs itself. Not a denominal headquarters that tells them what they can and cannot do based upon their moral code, their moral morality. It has to do with the leading of the Holy Ghost. So there in these last days that God has called out those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, that he will put his body together as it pleases him according to the call and purpose of God. And it will not be denominational headquarters internationally or locally there in any nation that's going to rule over God's heritage. It's going to be God himself that these instruments, the instruments that he will use, that God will lead and guide through vessels under honor, meet for the master's use, that have gone through the fire, purged from dead works to serve the living God, 
and obedient to his voice, hearing the voice of God, not the voice of the presbyters or the ones over you, but over the call of God, hearing the voice of God and obedient to it. There's no other way. So for this last day work of the ministry, there will not be superintendents in a denominal body that will rule over the body of Christ, the individual members. It'll be those that are sold out to follow Jesus, that have forsook all, gave all to follow Jesus. As Jesus stated, except the man forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. These are the sold out bunch that put God first in all things, even above their own lives. And this is the witness that God will require that will those that will be willing to lay down their lives, sealing their testimony with their own blood. These are the only ones that will be fit for the use of the master, our Lord Jesus Christ. So in answer to some of the ministers that have said, well, when you come to our nation, can we be superintendent of this or overseer of that? The answer, the only overseer and the superintendent is the apostle of the profession of our faith, Jesus Christ. He's one leading. We're just servants. Now, true. We lead through the leading of the Holy Ghost, the word of God in proceeding word, and we're simply speak what God has ordained us to do in that flow of the oracle of God. In other words, we seek a truth of Christ speaking through us. It's not us that speaks. It's not a minister that speaks. It's the Christ through him. If he is making his own uh, so-called sermons, sermonettes, and he's got his little book and pulling out uh, the little messages that he does and, and brings this to the congregation, well, it may be fine. It may be uh, in the letter a good teaching, but it will not have the anointing. The anointing only comes through the proceeding word of God as it proceeds from the throne of God in that word flowing as the truth of Christ speaking through them, Christ speaking through them. Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ uh, liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Paul stated, as you, the churches, seek a truth of Christ speaking through me. Now that is a minister. There, we have many preachers, but very few ministers. And what do we mean by that? It means that they prepare nice sermons that are tickling to the ear and say, well, that's great oratory ability. That's wonderful. But it does not set the captive free. It's only an anointing that breaks the yoke, and it's only through the leading of the Holy Ghost in crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, for the will of God and that person to have the flow of the Holy Ghost. And obviously, he's had to have the word of God and sought God thoroughly through the word of God for that word to come through them. They have searched diligently the scriptures of God. And as God has molded them, shaped them through the many years of seeking God diligently, then he mows them and fashions them into a minister according to his will, his purpose. 
not according to some denominational ideology or apologetics that this is what's written in our manual and this is what we do. This is our doctrinal statement. The answer to that is absolutely not. It has to be the leading of the Holy Ghost and God's calling people today, the ministers of his that will forsake all, sell all, give up all to follow him and live the crucified life. Those are the only ones that will bring this everlasting gospel to all the world for witness in all nations and then the end will come. God's doing it now. We are simply servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not the head Jesus is the head. We don't rule over anyone. They say, well, obey them that have the rule over you. Well, let's take a good look at that. Rule over you, telling you what to do, where you can go, what you can say, what you can do and work and what your manners of life. No, but they are ensembles, examples for us in the way that we should live. In other words, if you preach, thou shalt not steal, do you steal? Well, of course not. If you're a minister of the word, you must be first partaker of the fruit. You must be there, a partaker of that fruit, first of all, in order to proclaim that and preach it to others. If you say, thou shalt not steal, you cannot be one that steals. Those that strive for the mastery must be temperate or self-controlled in all things, all things of faith and obedience as an example to the flock. And that's what God is seeking for now. Those that are broken, humble, and of a contrite spirit, even in the ministry, not fragrant, uh, uh, flagrant, uh, I guess you can say ostrich spirits. Ostrich spirits are uh, this uh, peacock spirits that you see behind a pulpit of some rock star. That, that's not a minister of the gospel. The minister of the gospel first uh, has been a partaker in these things that he preaches. He must be first partaker of the fruit. And then he has shown himself faithful. As Paul stated, God finding me faithful putting me into the ministry. Now you have a minister of God. Those are the ones that we work with here. We're not setting up a denomination in the nations that we go to. It's a fellowship of like-minded people. We do not get in and rule over the affairs of the local church. That's not our job. As the Holy Ghost leads, we go. The proceeding word of God that he gives, we preach and teach it according to the leading of the Holy Ghost. But that's where it stops. We do not get into the organization leading and the governmental of that local body. That is the elder. The elders, uh, that is their job. That is their responsibility. So hopefully this will clarify where we are with the Jesus Christ International Church there in Africa, that we don't set superintendents over it. Uh, that is nothing of us to do. It's not ordained of God to do. We don't do it. It's a fellowship of like-minded ministers and believers that hold to the Jesus-only doctrine of Christ and the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom. That's what God is putting together now. 
Now, we want to ask you if you are a minister, maybe you're tired of fighting the old denominational system, and you feel like God wants you to do a certain thing, but you are hindered in doing it, that this may be where God wants you to come. If it is, and you feel the leading of the Holy Ghost, then please call me so we can work together. But make sure it's the leading of the Holy Ghost. We want all to come and work together with us that are called of God. If God has called you in a different area or place, then certainly that we implore you to do that. If that's the best thing for you to do is the leading of the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, it will not work. Though we've had, and over the experience of uh, many years, that ministers come and went simply because they sought their own minister come in and think they're going to overthrow and take over this or that. And it, it produces much heartache and trouble in the body of Christ. But when the Holy Ghost is leading and guiding, then there's a unity of the faith. We don't jostle one against another. It is, as it should be, being led of the Holy Ghost. Then we have peace among the members. And the Lord Jesus Christ is lifted up, not man. If man is lifted up, it's not God. It's very simple. We lift him up. If he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. If God's dealing with you and you feel a witness of that, what we have just spoken, then give me a call. Leave a message. I look forward to working with you. Well, we can... uh, Uh, extend fellowship one to another and preach this gospel to all the world for witness in all nations. That's what we're called to do as servants to the body of Christ, not leading over them, but service as servants to the body of Christ. Now, please give me a call if God has dealt with you and bore witness with your spirit that this is possibly where you would go to work and be in uh, communion with us or the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then give me a call. Plus one is the country code, 903, area code, 746-4885. Again, country code plus one, area code 903-746-4885. That's my phone. Please leave a message and I'll get right back to you and look forward to meeting you and working together in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody said, what will I be doing? You'll be doing the call of God to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom to all the world for witness in all nations. It's a go ye. Always pushing, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is determined by the Holy Ghost, not us. It's determined by the Lord himself. We are to work out our own salvation with fear and trouble, for it's God that worketh in us, both the willing to do. And that we have, the liberty of the Holy Ghost, uh, that we must stand in and be not entangled again with the yoke of body. With that said, we pray that God perfect that which is lacking in each one of us, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold, the real Jesus.